Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Our country was built on compromise. We had to compromise on so many things to even have a country. Slavery was one of the biggest problems we faced, and we were able to defeat slavery because we were willing to compromise. Now, you might think that the men on each side of the compromise question would be great enemies of each other, but that's not true. They were great friends. They respected and admired each other. And to me, that's just proof positive that Heavenly Father was in charge of the compromises that were made to allow this country to grow and to overcome bad things like slavery and so on. Now, today's story comes from a book I found. It's called The Heritage of America, published way back in 1939. And this article was written by Peter Harvey, Reminiscences and Anecdotes of Daniel Webster. So listen up and learn how Heavenly Father killed slavery and oh, many other bad things through compromise. The senator from the South, Carolina, is in his seat. Calhoun, Clay, and Webster all placed their great last roles in the debates on compromise between North and South in 1850. To express his opinions on Clay's great omnibus or compromise bill, Calhoun wrote his last formal speech which Mason of Virginia read to the Senate on March 4th. Immediately afterwards, Calhoun went to hear Webster's great speech of March 7th in favor of compromise. Before the month closed, he was dead. Clay died in June of the same year, and Webster in October. When Mr. Webster was about to deliver his 7th of March speech, 1850, he invited me to come to Washington to hear it. He intended to make it a great effort, the crowning address of his later public life, and as he knew beforehand that his actions and motives would be misconstrued and that the speech would bring down upon him condemnation from many quarters, he was resolved that he would make use of all of his powers to render it worthy of his really high motives and his fame. Early on the morning of the 7th, I was sitting with him in his house when the sergeant-at-arms of the Senate came in. He told Mr. Webster that already not only the Senate chamber itself, but all the approaches to it were crowded by an eager multitude. A great speech for Mr. Webster was a national event. Mr. Webster looked at me and in a sad voice spoke of this as being one of the last times that he should ever address listening masses on the floor of the Senate and of the rapidly approaching close of his public life. On going to the Senate chamber at the proper time, I found an excellent seat reserved for me, near and a little in front of the spot where Mr. Webster would stand when he made his speech. While he was speaking, an affecting incident occurred, which illustrated the warmth of feeling between Mr. Calhoun and himself. 
It appeared that several days before Mr. Webster had paid a visit to Mr. Calhoun in his sick room at the old Capitol building. The venerable South Carolina senator was very ill, and it was thought that he would never be able to appear in his seat again. The conversation turning upon the speech that Mr. Webster was about to make, the sick statesman expressed an earnest wish to hear it. Mr. Webster replied that he hoped he would be able to get to the Senate, as he himself was anxious that Mr. Calhoun should be present. Mr. Calhoun took his head sadly. He said that he feared he was on his deathbed, and Mr. Webster parted from him, fully impressed that the belief that the venerable invalid must soon pass away. Mr. Webster had not been speaking long on this occasion when I saw a tall, gaunt figure wrapped in a long black cloak with deep cavernous black eyes and a thick mass of snow-white hair brushed back from the large brow and falling to the shoulders. He advanced with slow and feeble steps through the lobby behind the vice president's chair and then aided by one of the senators approach and sink into a chair on the opposite side of the chamber. I looked at Mr. Webster and observed that he spoke as he spoke. His face was turned the other way, so that he had not seen the almost ghostly figure come in. He went on speaking in his deep and sonorous tones, and at last came to a passage where he alluded to something Mr. Calhoun had once said in a debate, as, quote, the utterance of the distinguished and venerable senator from South Carolina, who I deeply regret is prevented by serious illness from being in his seat today, end quote. At this I glanced around at the tall, gaunt figure across the chamber. He was moving restlessly in his chair. His head and body were bent eagerly forward, and he made an effort as if trying to rise and interrupt the orator. But the effort seemed to be too much for him, for he sank back in his chair. Hysterian eloquence flowed majestically on, all unconscious of the intended interruption. Presently the speaker once more had occasion to refer to some statement of Mr. Calhoun, and again he alluded to him as, quote, the eminent senator from South Carolina, whom we all regret so much to miss from such a cause from his seat today. The figure again grew restless. The hands nervously grasped both arms of his chair. The black eyes glared and shone in their eagerness. And now, half rising from his seat and unable any longer to bear the thought that Mr. Webster should remain unconscious of his presence, he exclaimed in a feeble and hollow voice, which yet was heard throughout the chamber, quote, The senator from South Carolina is in his seat. Mr. Webster turned toward him with something like a start and when he saw that his friend had actually risen from the bed of death, and had indeed dared death itself to creep to the capital and hear his speech, he for a moment betrayed visible signs of deep emotion. 
Then, acknowledging this touching compliment by a bow and a smile of profound satisfaction, he went on with his speech. A few days more, and Calhoun lay dead, in state, within these very walls. Yes, these great men may have been on different sides of the issue, but they were friends. They were men of God, and they were men of the state, and they gave us compromise. They gave America the tools we needed to be successful. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. Remember, you are learning the truth. Tell your friends. Speak with boldness and keep your powder dry.